what pushes me to kind of go to the next level is when you're kind of forced to figure out something. Like I talked about my first startup job and we wanted to have this video hero and I didn't know how to make videos. And I like discovered this whole other path of like, oh, maybe I could just build the application inside of Webflow and like have that be the actual thing that you interact with. I would have never probably even thought of doing that if I wasn't forced, which is like a ton of startup work. It's just like, we need this thing and like somebody needs to figure it out like who's down to go and like go down that path and so understand what you like and what you like doing because then you can kind of shape this career and role that you want to take with you to another company and you could really offer some really custom things welcome to deep dives my name is rid and this is where we go deep with the best designers so that you can learn from their journey and apply it to your own career Today, I'm talking with Marco Cornaccia, who broke design Twitter in the summer of 2023 when they released the all-new Diagram.com. This conversation is all about the finer details of craft, and we even get a behind-the-scenes look at what it's like to design AI tools at Figma. But first, I wanted to go back in time so that we could be a fly on the wall and see everything that led up to the process of releasing the new Diagram website. We had a bunch of products that we needed to kind of showcase on the website. Jordan had previously built a bunch of uh, landing pages for the products that we had, like Automator, Prototyper. Um, Magician was in the works now and had its own landing page as well. But the homepage really needed to kind of to be updated in general, just to have some of the new features from the products that we were working on. Jordan was aware of my like skills and using Webflow from like my portfolio and a bunch of uh, some single landing page designs that I did for Diagram early on. So. He was like, he was always like teasing, like, you know, at some point we want to redo diagram.com and it really needs like an update. And so I'm like, okay, like, and, and this is like a recurring theme with working under Jordan at Diagram as like a design founder is that like, he'd be like, yeah, like this needs to be like touched up a little bit or like, I want you to work on this exactly. And I'd always be like, it's like, it's pretty good already. Like <laughs> I, I can take it to the next level, but like a lot of the stuff that he would give me is just like, like out of the box, like kind of almost ready to ship in a, in a way. And I felt like that about the landing page designs that were currently up. So I was like, okay, well, if he wants me to work on a new landing page based on what's currently up, like I'll, I'll need to go like a completely different level than what it's at right now, which it was a very like clean design and everything. And I just remember, yeah, having those conversations with him. And when it finally came down to it, and we, you know, we were working on Magician and, and Genius, which was our uh, experimental AI design assistant, he was finally like, yeah, I think it's time to to do this thing and like, let's go after it. So we really want to like set the bar high and, you know, as a design company, like really need to like shoot for the stars here. And I want to have it to like that linear level quality. I want it to have that effect on people. And, you know, at the time I was like, oh yeah, like me too, you know, like, uh, uh, like that sounds like a, re like a reasonable goal. And I remember like after the call, just being like, oh man, I really have some, some work to put out for me. So yeah, that was just kind of like the beginning of it. And yeah, it took a bunch of like different turns and, and I can get into different iterations and, and kind of what that process was like, but that was kind of setting the stage for, okay, you, you know that like Stripe was the gold standard for a while. Linear has been the standard for a bunch of years now. And not even saying that diagram has achieved to that level, to the end result, but just to, you know, get to that conversation and be in that mind space of, okay, we want to be able to like be at that level was definitely a challenge, but it was something that was really awesome to even try to, you know, strive for. I mean, I've put out two different polls on Twitter now. We've had basically like a thousand designers vote between the linear website and the diagram website. And both times you've come out victorious. So 
I think it's pretty safe to say you've you've inserted yourself into the conversation. We can put it that way. I'd like to continue with the story a little bit. Like you get off that call and you realize that you have this ambitious project in front of you. What were some of those next steps that you took? It kind of turned into more than kind of just a landing page at that point and kind of was like almost a revisiting of the brand. And again, we're just looking at all the different tools and things that we were working on, um, like Magician, which is a plugin inside of Figma that had a bunch of different AI utilities that you could use, like Magic Copy, Magic Image, um, even Rename Your Layers. And then Genius, which is, again, this AI uh, assistant inside of Figma that could help you design um, alongside of you and has its own cursor and all these things. So the all these ideas, and even including the products that were at Diagram even before I joined, like Automator and Prototyper, had this like futuristic feel to them. Like, oh, like this could, if you put all these things together and you made a new design tool, this would feel like a very futuristic. So that kind of became the theme that I was going with was like, you know, the future of design tools or design tools from the future. So that was kind of like where we started to kind of think about a little bit more of brand transformation. And then from there, yeah, I can get more into detail around what was the thinking around the structure and all that. But it, it really became a brand conversation first, just spitting out visuals and, and getting with Jordan and seeing what he thought about them. Let's double click into the brand transformation part then, because there are a lot of really interesting motifs on the page. You have that kind of space vibe, and then you have the magic wand, which makes an appearance in a lot of places and has even kind of now made an appearance on other people's websites as well. So can you talk a little bit about how you nailed down the, the overarching creative direction for the site? I, I, I started off, if you look at the page, like the magician section is actually the first section after kind of that like uh, galaxy hero, if you will. A thing with the bento grids, if you looked at like my website and it's obviously like really trending now and taking off. I started building out like, what could a bento grid section look like for magician? What what's some of the features that we want to highlight here? And, and started to build that out and it actually started to feel more like a magician landing page more so than an actual like okay this is a small section on the website that's going to lead into other products and I remember having this conversation with jordan around you know this maybe we save some of this stuff for the actual magician landing page and i don't know if this exactly might land on diagram.com and, and tell the story in the right way i just kind of built momentum up and was like let me do one of these bento grid sections for each of the products and just like see how that feels like, what would it feel like to have, like, a little bit of experience from all the different products and be able to interact directly with some of the products that we have and these, like, interactive prototypes on the page? What could that feel like? And how does it feel to kind of play around with those things? And I think there's a thing around, too, around just with the designs and with the interactiveness of them, of, like, discoverability. I, I think they tell their own story when you first see them and you interact with them. But we wanted them to really feel like, almost like little games and challenges in a way. I think there's some other things that I could address here as well. I've seen uh, Brian Lovin's interview about, you know, kind of like these crazy bento grids with a bunch of different interactions and animations. And I would just respond to that with saying like, you have to like know what your audience is. Like that approach, I probably wouldn't do for any other company or website. Our audience in a whole is almost you know, Twitter designers, like designers on Twitter, like that's the audience that we're trying to reach. That was, you know, Jordan has a huge following of designers and we wanted that to kind of be like the, the gist of the conversation that kind of spills out into other areas. Um, but we knew that we really wanted to like put this out there and wow designers, have them play around with things. But that's not to say that the approach wasn't, you know, to be informational or to have a page that's kind of just like all over the place. Like, I would say that the bento grid layout and the copy and everything is 
like cohesively understanding and does sell the products as well. I mean, I totally agree. And I was going to ask you about this anyway, so we can talk about it now, which is trying to get at like the underlying strategy for like why Diagram is a company where this did work. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like your target audience is designers and people who are pretty likely to be wowed by a landing page and share it on Twitter. And it turned out to be this incredible marketing tactic for you. But you can't look at that and just copy and paste it into a variety of different industries because it's not going to have the same effect. I do think that makes a lot of sense. I do think people were very impressed by the attention to detail that you put into you know, an animated grid, but like you said, these little challenges and games, it does feel more like challenges and games than pure animations. And I know that you built these in Webflow and I still don't get it. <laughs> what did it actually take to create these games inside of a bento card? Like, can you get to a more specificity <laughs> on like, how the heck did you make that magic happen? I kind of went into my first design job having Webflow as kind of a thing in my toolkit. I was doing freelance website designs at the time um, for some freelance clients. And I remember, yeah, doing the first landing page for that startup. And uh, the startup was for like this command line interface that could help you schedule. And it was like this uh, command line that comes up on your screen and you're able to interact with it and type things into it. And I remember the founder wanted me to create a video for that hero section of that first website that I was working on for the startup. And I was like, man, I don't even really know, like I've never, you know, done animation design. I've never really created a video. I don't even know where to get started. You know, I didn't have a good workflow set up or even skill set developed around creating like interactive videos or not even interactive videos, just video and motion design in general. So, but what I did know, I was like, you know, Webflow has these interactions and animations that I could put together. Like, what if I just built like a, a wrapper of the application that we're selling or and that we're marketing inside of Webflow? And then I'll just do the animations with HTML, CSS, JavaScript and move things around. And let me see how that feels. And like, yeah, I remember doing it and being like, oh, man, like this is like a waste of time. Like, why am I trying to rebuild this application inside of a web builder? Like, it just seemed really insane and, and kind of silly in the moment. Um, but I remember like getting to a point where like things were working and moving around and it was also, I can control the responsiveness of it. And I didn't have all these kind of blockers around, you know, background videos and having to, you know, have them. I remember there was like a gradient background gradients were like, I mean, they're still kind of in, but like, they were like really in at the time. And so I was like, I can't even really make a video that has a transparent background that will like work on this like gradient that I'm doing. So I don't even know if like a video is an option right now. So it just pushed me further down that path to be like, how far can I really push the Webflow platform to have the correct animations to make this application feel like it's the real thing on your screen? Um, and the end result was, was, was pretty good. Like I remember the founder was very happy with it. I remember the conversion rates were pretty well. So that was my first like dive and attempting to be like, oh, wow, maybe I could just for marketing websites, just like build a very simple version of different parts of the application and just show exactly what they do in that way. It's amazing. I mean, how many different states are you even keeping track of? And also a question I have is how much of this is being figured out in Figma ahead of time? Like obviously Figma is very limited in the types of prototypes that you're creating, but I would imagine like there's some visual mapping that maybe has to happen. So can you talk to us about how you actually figured out what you were going to make? Kind of fast forwarding again to diagram things and 
you know, doing this a few times where I kind of know the things that I'm going to animate and what type of assets I'm going to need. Um, and I said this in my talk at WebflowConf that was kind of around this idea of like creating websites that speak for themselves and being very almost literal on your landing page of like, here's the product, you can interact with it, here's different parts of it, and you can see exactly what these things do and how they're, how could they benefit you. I'd say like, I, this is just like breaking down my time, like for the diagram site specifically, where there was a lot of different animations, it was like 30% of my time inside of uh, Figma, just kind of laying things out, getting the lay of the land, seeing what the, the overall structure was going to be. And then the rest, like 70% of the time is inside of Webflow, like actually figuring out what those animations are going to be exactly. And kind of like spent, you know, rebuilding parts of the UI there. And, you know, I think it's just a, a balancing act of like, if you went through doing a bunch of these, like what things you need, like you might need these like SVG icons for the specific parts of the application, but you know that you could like build the wrapper in HTML and CSS. You don't need to export anything from Figma. So it's just kind of a learning process. And, um, yeah, something that I've just, it's just like such a weird little thing that I picked up over the years of just like taking this approach. I mean, it is a niche skill. I haven't really seen it done before. And yet it's pretty interesting because you have designers all over the world are kind of trying to copy you a little bit. Like you've definitely kickstarted a pretty significant trend. And maybe people who first saw it on the Diagram website, but man, if you're listening to this and you haven't been to Marco's portfolio, you should go to marco.fyi because that was actually the first place that I saw it. And it's just incredible. Like it's incredible, the intricacies that he has created and everything feels so alive. And you know, we talk a lot about this idea of not burying your work in a case study and like putting it on the homepage. And man, this is the example of what it looks like to lead with your work. Yeah, to speak a little bit about, I guess, my portfolio in that sense, that was kind of my thinking around it was, I remember at the time, again, this was like my first design job that I was leaving. Um, and I felt like I had very limited design work, even, you know, even though I was like the solo designer at the startup, it wasn't necessarily like a success or something that people knew of. Um, and there was only a few projects uh, that I actually had a hand in, you know, crafting. It was a couple, it was like two products that we we, we tried out. Um, and I just remember feeling this like overwhelming sense of like, oh man, like, I don't know if I have enough work to like get that next job that I want. And like, how do I, what can I do to like really bring this life to work and like put it in people's faces as soon as they visit the site where they don't have to like dive through project pages and, and all that stuff. And, you know, I still wanted to have those things on the website, but I really wanted to make a good first impression of like you on the site, you can see the work immediately. You can interact with it. And this is again coming from that first startup job where I had to make that landing page um, and decided to make the, the application animate and interact and be interactive and saying like, what if I just apply that thinking and, and that framework to my own work and that way I'll just spread it all out on the page and people can interact with things immediately as soon as they get on there. You can get a sense of like how the design works, what it's for. Um, and yeah, again, it was just hoping that that like left a good impression on people when they first visited my site and you could immediately get to the work and, and kind of experience it firsthand. I think one of the reasons I'm so inspired by your story is you didn't really have this big name background before Diagram. Like you kind of came out of left field where similar to myself, even like a startup that you put probably a lot into that didn't ultimately get to the place where you thought it might go. And you're kind of just left like, okay, now what? The fact that you then created this portfolio, which one like got you would, what, a Twitter DM from Jordan 
is in itself like incredible and then led to the creation of one of the best websites on the internet and an entire design trend. I mean, can you imagine if someone would have told you that in early 2022, what your reaction would be? Even when I put my portfolio out, like I wasn't like, oh, this is going to be like, this is going to be the thing. Like this is going to lock so many doors. I was just like, man, like this is really my best attempt. And like, you know, I don't know what the next step is going to be for me. Like maybe I'll join another startup or maybe, you know, I'll go back to agency life, which is what I originally started out with. But yeah, I put this site out there and like literally overnight I had DMs from pretty much all, any top company that you could ever dream of wanting to be at. Like somebody reached out, tried to set up an interview. And, and like at the time I was like, I, I didn't have my job. My, uh, my partner was also looking for a career. We were like in the midst of moving. It was actually on the moving day that I just like put it out there. And I was like, let me put this out there. So like, hopefully I'll get a couple leads. And like, once we're done like moving and switching things around and everything and getting settled, like I'll start to take interviews and all that. And it was just like this influx of people. And it was like, wow, like this is like, this is amazing. This is all you can ask for. And um, yeah, the cherry on top was just Jordan reaching out in the way that he did and kind of having and starting those conversations with him and, yeah, it just, it all worked out really well. I find it inspiring and I'm sure a lot of people listening do as well. I want to talk a little bit more broadly about your time at Diagram, not just as like, you know, the diagram.com designer, but as the founding product designer and everything that went into that role, because you joined at a really interesting time where people didn't even know what ChatGPT was yet. Like we hadn't really hit the AI hype cycle. So can you give us a little bit more of a behind the scenes of what that role looked like and some of the key moments before the acquisition happened? I guess I'll just pick off from some of the early conversations I had with Jordan about the founding designer role there. And yeah, this, again, this was at a time like pre chat GBT, the public having this like awareness of AI, even like it was like trickling in on Twitter and I'd like read a little bit about it, but I wasn't like fully like, okay, like AI is the next thing. And I don't think a majority of people were. Jordan, of course, like is always out of the curve and like, you know, built like a GPT three thing inside of Figma that he was like taking screenshots of designs and like having it like assemble inside of Figma and just having early conversations with, with him and like getting really excited about what he was working on and like how he saw the vision of the company going before again, before all this AI hype cycle. And again, they had some products that were doing really well, like Automator, where you can do automations inside of Figma. It's like a dra drag and drop interface. So I just got really sold on the vision. And we had one of our first offsites um, in New York where we we had this magician plugin, which again was like AI utilities inside of Figma. And we were using GPT-3 at the time. Again, ChatGPT wasn't really a thing. People were, not a ton of people were kind of exploring the space at the time. So it felt like a very novel idea to like, even inside of Figma to be able to like, manipulate text and like make this sound casual or make this longer and um, seeing some of those things come to life like before it was kind of table stakes like what it, what it is now in different products was like super exciting and super inspiring um, but the end goal we always wanted to reach towards was this really like design assistant inside of Figma or inside a design tool in general that could like really level up your work and like help you you know design alongside you or generate designs or you know do accessibility checks all these different things that we had ideas around and so I remember sitting at the offsite and uh, we were all kind of just thinking like, like, yeah, what should we work on to like get towards this assistant thing? And we always wanted to do, we always take a lot of inspiration from uh, GitHub's uh, Copilot. If, you, if you're familiar, I'm sure a lot of people yeah. like use it that do engineering work, but basically just like 
uh, we'll spit out the next line of code that and think you might need inside of your thing that you're building. And so we thought, what does this mean in the design sense? Like, how could we build this co-pilot experience for a designer? And like, we all know that like designing is not a very like linear path in the way that coding might be where the next thing you want is like based on your selection is like the next thing after it. Like it's not this linear path. In fact, it's really more like a circle. You're kind of going back and forth and kind of always uh, tweaking things. And so we were thinking, so what could this co-pilot experience be for a designer and what would that feel like? And so um, it was actually Vincent, our design engineer's like first week. It might, it might even been his like first day there. Um, and it was just, so we, we had an offsite to kind of just to get to know each other. And we thought like, I don't know, maybe we'll like make something cool. So I think in like three hours, maybe less, we got something working where, um, based on your selection inside of Figma, it was like guessing the next component or button or anything in the design, in the design that should go there. Um, and it was just this, this like moment of like, wow, like within like two or three hours of work, like we have something very promising here. Um, and we went home, you know, super excited about, you know, what can we do with this? And I think it was that night that ChatGPT came out as well. So I remember, <laughs> I remember sitting in the hotel with Sid, which is a founding engineer at Diagram, and like messing around with this thing, and just like being like, like just completely blown away. And you could just tell that, like, based on what we were working on, and kind of, it was just this moment of like, okay, AI has definitely arrived. And like, yeah, in the next like two, three months from there, you just saw this complete explosion of all these different AI experiments and people being very aware of it using ChatGPT. And it's kind of just kind of been like off to the races since then. Something that I think that's really interesting about your role versus roles that I've had in the past is I think a lot of designers, you know, they set up to solve problems. And in some ways you kind of are, but it feels a little bit more indirect than a traditional product design role, like you're more just tinkering at the very fringe of technology and a big part of what it looks like to design is to figure out what's even possible. So can you talk a little bit about what did design at Diagram on a daily basis actually look like? What, what were the kinds of things that you were exploring? And, you know, in my head, I can't even begin to imagine what you were even creating inside of Figma versus just playing with ChatGPT and working with engineering. So can you just shed a little bit of light to help people understand what it was like in the early days to be a designer at Diagram? Yeah, it was very, very experimental and very exploratory heavy. Like, and I think Jordan just has a way of working like this in a very like visionary way of let's try a bunch of little different things and see like what feels good um if there's any promise here like what should we kind of go after and he's totally like comfortable with like putting experiments out there and like seeing what people think about them and having people try them out and i think that's like almost the perfect mindset to kind of have with some of the ai stuff knowing that the speed that it moves at is so ridiculously fast like something so new and novel that we haven't seen that you almost have to kind of operate under that impression or, or under that assumption that you know in a week from now, things can be like completely different. The whole landscape could shift. And I think that's what you saw again with like talking back to back to like early genius days when we were trying to do like autocomplete and then chat GPT releases that night. And suddenly it's like, wait, like maybe chat is the experience. Maybe that's what we should go after. And you've seen like a bunch of people sprint after that. But again, it's just like trying to stay up on the trends, trying to stay up on like, what's the latest models? What can they handle? What can they do? And I think it was a really good approach to be like, let's try all these different little different things. Like, 
how does it feel to have an agent inside of Figma that like can have its own cursor and feels like an assistant or, you know, maybe you have these building blocks that you're putting individual prompts in and you're kind of placing them around on your design and, you know, you're hitting generate and it based on the prompts and based on the positioning, it could design for you. And it was just all these different explorations that we were kind of building up to and we're like, okay, which ones can we take? Which ones feel good that we can put into a product? and kind of release there. What, what are these things that we need to like really truly make an assistant that can help you inside of a design tool? And so again, it was just all these different explorations that we we're still trying out. And I like the emphasis on explorations and you know, you mentioned GitHub's Copilot earlier, which is a parallel that I like to draw as well. And I think you kind of nailed it. I like this emphasis on the linear path versus more of a circular path. And I think that's probably the dominant reason for why we don't have designs equivalent of Copilot quite yet. And yet we still see all these explorations and, you know, my Twitter feed's been flooded with the build it button over the last week. And you yeah. kind of start to picture like, what could this look like? What could this look like? So I'd love to hear from you, like an AI assistant for designers. I think that still can look like a million different things as I'm sure you yeah. know better than all of us. And I've heard people talk about it as, you know, expanding creative explorations. And some people refer to it more as like a janitor or a linter. And some people yeah. are looking at it really as like, okay, just help me think about that next step and more of a sequential process. What yeah. do you think the dominant breakthrough use case would be for AI where designers actually would be using it in their day-to-day -day, like something like a GitHub Copilot? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd like, call out in a specific dominant form that could take four designers, but I'll, I'll just say that, and this might be true with other applications as well and other, you know, practices is just, I think it'll just kind of be everywhere and you won't even actually know some of the time that it's AI, it's doing some of this like heavy lifting for you. Like, yeah, I could take the form of a tool and you kind of like know, and we've seen all like the magic wands and sparkles and different things that people are manifesting now to kind of get this idea of, this tool that can, you know, create things for you or edit things for you a little bit more magically and a little bit less manual than you'd have to do on your own. But I think there's a ton of uplifting that we can do across the products and, and even Figma specifically where, um, again, like just being in places that maybe the user isn't even aware that this is kind of AI doing some of the uplifting and doing some of the heavy lifting for you, um, but just kind of meets you where you're already expected to be as a designer. If you're in a panel or in, your, in a specific part of a design, um, and just making those interactions easier. And um, I think if you put a bunch of those things together and stack a bunch of those little wins, even if you didn't add this like major AI feature to your product, you'd immediately have a way better experience. You could immediately let way more people inside of the door. And like for us, I think we're thinking about that mindset too. And we're also thinking, you know, what's the North Star? What's the, what's the vision of this? But also let's not forget like what we can do in the in intermediate term to really like up-level the product and make, make design accessible to more people. So let's talk a little bit about how your role has changed because you, you know, you've been this startup founding designer at back-to-back -back companies. And now all of a sudden you live inside of a multi-billion dollar company. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about what those post-acquisition days looked like and yeah, share even just like how your role has evolved over the last few months? Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, before this, before joining Figma, I've been, I think the biggest company I was at in my current role was like maybe eight or nine people at max at any given moment, like including contractors. So um, just from a size perspective, like 
um, definitely a big change. Um, and also just like not being the solo designer anymore. Like at Diagram, I really had the luxury of, you know, being under Jordan's tutelage and like having him um, as a guide and a mentor and, and just like a, a coworker in, in, in a sense as well, just knowing that, you know, having him inside the design file and having a founder that, first of all, having a design founder is like really like one of the most amazing things you could possibly have. And I, like any designer that could possibly join a startup that has a design founder, like, please do it because it'll up-level you so much. And it's just such like an enjoyable experience. Um, but yeah, what's kind of changed? Um, I think for one, not having to be the do everything, like go crazy person of like, you're worried about marketing, copy and branding. And, you know, the product obviously is the number one thing, but you're also, I think with my skill set too, of being able to build websites, like that always gets thrown on me and like, not thrown at me like I, I want to be able to do those things and because it's it's really one of my skill sets but it, it doesn't become this like balancing act of like okay you're the solo designer like every pixel that gets made like you have to be responsible for like you have to make sure that things look right work right the brand the storytelling is all there so i think uh, a, a little bit of adjustment in the last few months for me has just been like okay wow like i don't have to do all those things anymore like they're there and there's people like on top of those things and you can be part of those conversations if you want to. And, it, and it's awesome to be enjoying in those things and even to be able to have a seat at some of those tables. But like, you don't have to be the do it all person anymore. Like you have a team, you have people you can lean on, you have um, mentors you can talk to. So from that perspective, it's been amazing. And there's so many amazing, super talented designers at Figma as well. And just being able to collab with them, it's like, oh, wow. It's just like such a fret, like a breath of fresh air for me to be like, wow, I have all these like resources and awesome people at my disposal um, that I could reach out to and collaborate with. And that experience has just been amazing. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I have been in a similar situation where the vast majority of my career, I've been the only designer where I've done everything. And then all of a sudden there's another designer in the picture. And I'm like, I don't actually know how to work with you and who's supposed to do what and when do we talk and what does collaboration actually look like? So how have you been kind of figuring that part out at Figma? We're working across the product and thinking about AI across the entire product. So in in that sense, it's been super valuable to be like, oh, I need to learn about this specific part of FigJam. There's this point person, there's this designer who's like been working on it for years at this point, or has, you know, is, is their full entire focus that you can tap into, talk with them, collaborate with them and get like a full rundown of like, what's their thinking? How do they work on it? What are some of the past things that they've tried? And it's just like, a, it's just like a, a fast track to being like, oh, okay, now, you know, I didn't have to spend all that time. Like somebody has done all of that work already. Let me lean on them. Let me bring them into the conversation um, and collaborate in that way. And I could share, you know, some of my learnings with designing for AI and all that. Um, so from that perspective, it's like, you know, Figma is a super large product for me because I've just worked on, you know, very small, like smaller, like uh, startups that have like one or two products or, you know, even Diagram. We had a bunch of different products, but they're in scale, they're pretty small. Figma is this, this large, different thing with all these different moving pieces. So it's been super valuable to just, you know, have that leveling up of other designers and be able to collaborate them and learn as fast as possible from them. We talked a little bit before about what made your role at Diagram interesting, kind of on a daily basis. Can you maybe compare and contrast that a little bit with your new role at Figma and what some of those changes look like? Yeah, it's, it was actually like from a design day-to-day perspective, like pretty seamless like we were already designing inside of figma all of our plugins ran inside of figma um whenever we thought about like the future of design tools figma was the wrapper that we like thought about 
Um, so from that perspective, it was actually like very seamless transition. Like, um, but it also was like really funny, I guess, just like rewinding back to diagram days, like um, kind of like the, even the first project I worked on for them was like, oh, okay, like I'm, now I'm design, and I'm sure like I've talked with designers at Figma that like feel this way as well, but it's like, okay, I'm designing Figma inside of Figma and you have this like double pane screen thing going on that was like super weird to get used to at first. Um, but I'm like super thankful that I like, I got that experience at diagram instead of like, just, you know, if we were a completely different company and we got like acquired at, uh, by Figma or like I joined Figma on my own and suddenly you're like designing a tool inside of a tool. There's just this like super weird meta thing about it. So it was super cool to like already kind of be like sped up on that things and like kind of get a feel for the sense of the canvas and the panels and all the different parts of Figma. And again, like I said before, just being able to reach out to the designers that are already there and working on specific parts, you just get this even way more knowledge about the product like really quickly. I like that you've been this founding designer role twice now. And I'm wondering if we can kind of talk a little bit about your own skill set and growth trajectory over the last few years. For people who maybe they haven't worked in startups and maybe they have you know, only had this more medium, large size company experience, and they're kind of curious to learn a little bit more about your role. And I know you touched on some of the, the typical answers around wearing a lot of hats and things like that, but maybe we can go a bit deeper. What were some of the ways that being a founding designer has grown you in your own career? I'll lean into like the wearing a bunch of different hats thing, just because I feel like it does open you up to pretty much everything that you can do as a designer. And then that way you get really a good feel and sense of like, okay, what are the things I actually enjoy doing? What are the things that I really don't like doing? Or what are the things that I could get better at that I'm like really interested in? I think um, for me, like, I think it's a super valuable experience to be able to be that founding designer, just because you have no choice, but to kind of experiment and try all those different things. Um, like example, and I think a lot of the times too, like, um, for me specifically, like what pushes me to kind of go to the next level is when you're kind of forced to figure out something. Like I talked in the beginning of this interview about my first startup job and we wanted to have this, you know, video hero and I didn't know how to make videos. And I like discovered this whole other path of like, oh, maybe I could just build the application inside of Webflow and like, you know, have that be the actual thing that you interact with. And like, I would have never probably even thought of doing that if I wasn't forced with like, Hey, we need this thing that you need to do. And like, just go figure it out, which is like a ton of startup work is just like, we need this thing. And like, somebody needs to figure it out, like who's down to go and like go down that path. And so from that perspective, like super valuable to be able to just like be forced to figure out things, but also more importantly, like understand what you like and what you like doing, because then you can kind of shape this career and role that you want to take with you. Um, to another company and you could really offer some really custom things. How do you think that first experience shaped what you brought to the table at Diagram as you kind of got into the weeds for a couple of years and learned what you liked and what you wanted to double down on? I think a ton of it was just like the realization that that is what startup life is. And I feel like there's like your first startup job where you kind of just be like, oh, like I'm a designer. Like I'm just going to like push pixels around all day and like make interesting things and like make cool things on the computer. And then I think after you realize what startup like really is and you really get into the weeds with things and you really are faced with some of the issues and problems and challenges with like being the sole designer and just being a designer in general, that then when you go to your like your next startup job or your next job in general, you're just like so much more equipped and ready to go and you like know what to expect and you know it's going to kind of be a grind 
But I think if you have the right people around you, it's which like diagram was a hundred percent, just the right people doing awesome work, super talented, super dedicated. Um, that, you know, that just brings a whole different element to uh, what you can do and what you can do as a company. And just like having that kind of like past history of knowing what startup life is like, even just gives you so much more, just gets you so much more equipped for whatever your role is after that. I want to talk a little bit about your learning journey as it relates to visual design, because, you know, you go to your LinkedIn and it says you didn't have your first like official design role until 2020. And yet, like just a couple of years later, yeah. you're basically breaking the internet with your designs and your portfolio and diagram has inspired so many designers all over the world. And it's not just what you're able to do with Webflow with these big over-the-top animations. Yeah. I think a lot of the little details and how you handle things like lighting and spacing and even contrast are really impressive and show that, you know, there's a strong visual foundation there. So can you talk to us a little bit about what that journey was like and how you invested and refined those skills over time? I think it was, this is a kind of like, like retroactively thinking back, like, um, I think when I finally got to the point where I was like making visual design that I was happy with, I was like, okay, like, where did I pick up some of these things? Cause I didn't have like a formal design education. I didn't have like a visual design course that I took or anything like that. Um, and I think it just all kind of stems back to, I was, I was just very, I was like, uh, uh, you know, kind of like an Apple kid. Like I always wanted the latest iPhone, like would install beta and like completely like crap my phone out with like a completely unstable version of like iOS, like seven or eight or whatever. Um, and just like really uh, like always paid attention to the details inside of the OS and was like, Oh, this specific thing changed. And like, I remember like downloading the new, like installing whatever the new beta was and being like, let me see if I could like figure out what changed on this install. And I just always like had like a really, um, and like big interest in those things. Um, and I didn't actually like connect it to a career at that point. It, it always just kind of felt like a playful thing. And I think I kind of grew up thinking like work is work and like, you're not supposed to like really enjoy it. And like anything you do enjoy is considered like play or fun and just like coming from, uh, that mindset. Um, so I think once I like connected it to like, oh, wow, like I can, you know, make things on the computer and, you know, just, I think at that point, uh, I like kind of fast forward to being a designer. I think it's just all these different things that I've kind of paid attention to over the years that now that I actually equip myself with the tools to do it on the computer myself, um, just referencing back those little moments. And then of course, just taking inspiration like everybody else does from you know, all, all the other amazing designers out there. And um, I think it's just obsessing over the details to be honest with you. If I had to just like put one thing on it, you can really obsess over the details and you can get your things really crisp. And I think you have to have an eye for it. There's some like natural, I think, thing that you have to be able to do and, and it's not maybe something that everybody can do and that's okay. I think you can still have a very successful design career without being like the top visual person. There's so many problems to figure out besides just that. Um, but I do think if you can develop that eye and that taste, it'll just take your career to the next level. For someone that's listening to this and they feel motivated by what you said, but they don't practically know how to translate that into, okay, it's Monday morning. How do I develop my eye and my taste? Do you have any advice for that person? Yeah, I mean, I wish there was like just one thing that we can do to like, you know, get people up to that level or, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't think like I'm the best visual designer either. Like I, I'm still like developing my craft. I'm still developing taste. I'm still trying to develop like a personal style. I think it's just, you got to put the reps in, like you have to put the reps in. You have to find like interesting things to work on that like make you want to try to figure out those details and really dive into the details there. I don't think there's like any like one 
thing that I could recommend. But what, what I've always done is like, let me try to recreate something that I really enjoy using, whether it's, you know, an applicate, like an iOS application, um, or, you know, there's a bunch of other awesome things that you can even go. Like, I think like, um, the browser company and some of their things they're doing, and they have like a very fun and playful visual style that like really resonates with me. So like, you know, you just try out those things. Like if you see a design you like, like try to replicate it in Figma and see what you can do. And I think it'll reveal a lot of things to you that you know, you gotta be aware of like, oh, this drop shadow is set to this exact specific point. Like that makes this lighting effect that you didn't necessarily know before. So I, I would just say, just like scratch that itch and like, see what comes out of it. I like anytime that some people mention like the browser company, it's one of the main companies that are inspiring me right now in terms of visual design. And, you know, something I used to do is I would set two hour timers and try to just create something from scratch and whatever I had at the end of two hours, I would just draw a line and that was it. And I think something that could be interesting that I kind of just thought of after you said that is try to take a product's visual language and apply it to a different product in like a two hour exercise. Like what would it look like to take the browser company visual language and redesign Zillow or redesign DoorDash or something like that? Yeah. I think that would probably be a pretty interesting way to apply some of these skills and force yourself to do different visual patterns that you maybe otherwise wouldn't reach for. Yeah, totally. I think we kind of almost all kind of naturally do that in a way too. Like, especially if you're doing something from scratch, right? Like you have this like blank canvas problem and you'll pull in a bunch of screenshots or designs or other community files of like, uh, who's solved this problem. Like I need, I need a checkout form. Like how does Airbnb handle this? How does DoorDash handle this? And you like bring in those designs, you'll use mobbing or whatever. But I think you like, if you're, if you're truly doing something from scratch, like you will take visual cues from some of those things like, Oh, this like button shadow or this text they're using is really nice. And like, is very, um, scalable across the application. And yeah, again, just like digging into those details. I think, I actually think this kind of ties really back to some of the AI stuff to around like having a first draft, like. I think there's a ton that we could do there to really up-level designers more so than just templates or starting points. I think there's something really there that could get you from, I, I just remember personally like opening Figma for the first time is like, I remember like when I was like, I want to make this switch to being a designer. Like I was originally doing front-end development work um, at an agency and I'm like, I want to be a designer. So like I paid for a sketch license and I like opened it up and I was like, well, what do I do now? Like, like I, I just assumed that there would be some like, a little bit more onboarding or like, Hey, design the screen or, um, you know, here's the things you need to do to actually be a designer. It was just kind of this blank canvas. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like now I have to like go back to like other resources and think about what do I actually want to create? And yeah, I just think that AI could really level that up, but also like just to tie back to being a little bit more explorative and try to find your personal style. It's super helpful to have those references early on that you could pull from. What are some of the ways that you think that web development background impacted the way that you design and who you are as a designer now? I built my first website inside of Webflow before I ever got a front-end development job. And so when I got that front-end job, it was kind of like reverse engineering some of the things that I learned where I would be like, oh, like padding and margin. Like these are some of the things that like I touched in this panel that I didn't necessarily know what it was writing, what, what the HTML and CSS it was writing. So it just gave me a really good sense for how things are built and what that development process looks like. And just like, even just like setting up your own development um, area, like on the computer, it was like a whole thing for me. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I think it just had me, 
it, it, it had me understand what engineers do and have uh, empathy for what they go through and how, how things are built in a way that I think really like leveled up me as a designer well, so I could kind of speak the same language as much as I can with them. What about looking forward? You know, you mentioned how working at startups also kind of helps you identify the skills that you want to invest in. What are some of those ways that you think that you can still grow as a designer today? Yeah, totally. I think one of the things now, just being at Figma and seeing how all these different people work in different ways. And, you know, some people are really good at communicating and getting their point across. Other people are really good at just being in the weeds. There's a bunch of amazing people at Figma that are just really awesome at both. Um, and this is something that I think Jordan just completely nails, which is not only is he uh, an amazing designer, but someone that could, you know, advocate for the things that he believes in, knows the right stakeholders to go to, all these kind of like bigger company things that I'm kind of trying to pick up from him and others around me around, you know, you could put amazing work out there, but how do you get it in front of the right people? How do you get it to progress past the point of just, this looks really cool and is a really cool idea. And what are the right things and people and places that you need to go to get that thing actually shipped and out there and, and try to get that, get that idea that you think is amazing out the door and into people's hands. I love that answer. I want to end this chat before I let you go by giving you an opportunity to really like make this practical for people and kind of end with a challenge. So maybe we can speak to that person again, who's listening to this and the more minutes that go by, the more interested they are in this idea of joining a startup and maybe even being that first designer. So what is a next step that someone can take to position themselves as an attractive first hire at a startup? Yeah, totally. And I, and I think it's even more broader than just like startup in general. It's kind of just like, I think job advice that my younger self would want to hear and that there's more ways to apply to a job than just, you know, filling something out on LinkedIn or indeed um, where you're just like kind of filling out the basic application and putting the basic things. in. I think you should really strive for like, what type of job do you want? Okay. Like ask yourself that first, like, if it's a design role, what type of company do you want to be at? What type of people do you want to work with? What type of problems do you want to solve? And if you have the answers to those questions, that's amazing. Cause then you could really craft a portfolio that's completely geared to that one specific thing that you want to do. Um, of course, there has to be a bunch of different options for you to kind of put your application out there and contact the right people. But I think if you, it's truly like, if you build it, like the people that are looking for those things, like you'll find a way, like whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on LinkedIn, if you put your work out there, that's very specific to what you want to do and the things that you're excited about. I think that just positions you way higher. And then, and then it's just all about finding really interesting ways to like kind of apply to those jobs. Again, like if you can find the hiring person, if you could find the founder that's working on those things, don't be afraid to like shoot them a cold email or shoot them a DM or talk to somebody on the team and say, Hey, I love what you're working on. I'm very interested in it. I have X, Y, and Z projects that could go along with this or that um, kind of support this idea or in the same realm of what you do. I think you should check them out. I think I'd be a great fit for this position, et cetera. So I think it's just about finding what's the way that you can kind of pique somebody's interest and not just have this uh, kind of like one size fits all portfolio, which I think is great if you're not sure what you want to do. But if you're like, hey, I'm, I'm super interested in like this company and there's a bunch of other companies that are like it, what can I do with my portfolio? in my application strategy that can really get me to the top of that stack. Love that answer. Thank you, Marco. This has been so cool and honestly just like an honor to meet you and really grateful for a little behind the scenes into who you are and the things that you're working on. So thanks for taking the time today.